Oh, and by the way, Victoria, we're, we're going to make it up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She froze. How it is that we should approach um, uh, the interface between the police and our families who are dealing with an episode um, with a loved one who has a mental health challenge. Yes. Um, number one, understand the emotion in it and there's fear. By the time you have to call because at that point it's the last step that you have to make sure that safety is the first issue. So that means there's somebody that's seriously in danger. And in a lot of cases, I have to say this as well, you know, it's it's the one who's affected. Yeah. You know, yeah. we want to protect them too. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it's somebody trying to hurt themselves, not always just against you. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's about them. Um, so the first thing that I've, I've learned how to do is to secure the area and take away all extra stimulation. That means extra bodies, mm -hmm. other people in the house, take away the pets out of the house, anything that would, would cause a distraction or a further disruption. So you're isolating the person who's in the episode. So now I just have the episodic person in the home. Second is I always meet police away from the actual incident site. So if it's my house, I don't let the police walk up and ring the doorbell while, the, while my son is episodic. I'll either go outside and meet them at an intersection, meet them at the garage, I meet them outside, and I make sure I'm there. And I hold my hands up and I say, let the police know I'm the one who called you. My name is Marla. I called you in reference to my son. My son, and then I immediately go into my son suffers with bipolar one skin episode, and I and 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 then usually you'll get some kickback, ma'am. Do you want us to such and such? I said I, I if I didn't, I wouldn't have called you. However, I want you to know that I'm on your team. We're in this together. And what my son's gonna need. What he wants most is to be heard. His father and I listen to him and we hear him, but sometimes it's not enough. They'll ask you, do you have weapons in your house? In my case, I have guns in my house, but they're safe appropriately. Yes, there's, there's you know, I have a gun safe. Um, it's locked. It's downstairs. Um, do you have knives in your house? I have kitchen knives. My son has never ever donned any weapon, a gun or a knife, but there are kitchen knives in the house. My son's on the second floor. And then I give suggestions as to how to approach. Please don't go through the garage and through the studio because you'll have to come up three steps of stairs and he's already hearing voices. So there's already a, a confusion in his head. And so to startle him will not be a good idea. Right. If you ring the doorbell, I'll stand by. Only one person needs to talk and the other person can stand ready because I know you have to go through your safe protocols. So before we ring the bell, which one of you is going to do the talking? Because I'm not going to speak. Right. And it and I have a live video on my Instagram of, of an actual incident that took place. It's on my Instagram in, in real time with me doing exactly what you hear me talking about right now. It just so happened that that was happening. And when it, the situation gets to a point of control, I filmed it for that reason. Um, and essentially at that point they go in and my, my son, like clockwork, opens the door and it, it goes down. 
he always has been willing to go with the police and be hospitalized. So I've experienced it multiple times. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing about it is I, I, I want to say as well, we have to be really um, careful in the way we treat and dismiss mental illness. What do I mean by that? You know, it's a real bad misnomer to say, you know, these people aren't smart or to treat them like they're less than. Matter of fact, they're smarter than you on, on, on the average. That's they true. can access more of their brain than we do. We have safeguards that shut us down. We have filters. They don't. So they're, in, they're into a part of their brain we don't even get to. Mm-hmm. So when I say this, I, my, my point is, I, one of the things that I know is that despite the fact that my son is bipolar and one with schizoaffective disorder, that's not how we find him. That's what I'm to do your best to not discount them when my son complains about a medication I don't say whatever do you just take the med what do you experience um, I'm not sure about those side effects Book you appointment. And to be honest, paranoid schizophrenic goes hand in hand. But I don't say, boy, shut up and take the medication because that's just what you have to do. I hear him. I don't dismiss him. I'm listening to you. Right? And so, therefore, there's a trust scenario that happens there. And so when I am dealing with a third party and I am able to say to the police, I understand who I'm dealing I understand my son. So I can say, you know, I, you can't say to a police officer unequivocally without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what happens, he's not going to pick up a knife. He's never garnished a knife before, but there are knives in the house. So there's a realism there that you have to bring to the situation. Right. You know, Please don't start. Please don't startle him, because, and and that is why I don't continue to speak, because it's too much going on at one time. Mm. If you ever, if you could ever understand, I've been through an exercise with Nami, and graduated from a family to family class, and one of the exercises brought me to tears. So you and Victoria and I are on the phone. We're on we're on this call together. Imagine right now, I'm talking to you, and I have you focused on a conversation, and. You and I are engaged, and now Victoria hops in. She starts talking about something completely unrelated. And now Victoria's family comes in, and they're all talking to you. But then they're also interacting and talking to each other and fussing back and forth with each other. But me and you are concerned. So, Whitney, you and I are having this conversation because I'm in the flesh real time. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, Marla, Marla, we're we're losing and you, unfortunately.
Can you hear me? Yeah, you're just, we're losing you here and there. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can well, hear you can now. Can you hear me now? Let yeah. me know. Yeah. It okay. might be. Um... All I'm saying to you. Okay. I'm driving, so it could be the signal. Yeah. It's good. Okay. All I'm all I'm saying is that when you can imagine what it must be like to be in the heads of these people who can't function, because that's how disturbing it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say that you one know, of one of my um, experiences with my relative was he needing help doing activities that he would normally be able to do because of how distracting the voices are. Things like um, applying for benefits, applying for jobs, um, doing anything that requires any amount of concentration uh, was really difficult for him to do. And that was a way, you know, once they're kind of calming down, maybe in a little bit um, in less of a acute um, episode, episode, being able to support our loved ones by by helping them with stuff like that, if that's something that they want. And for mine, that was something like he was very, he wanted to get a job, he wanted to be able to be self sufficient. He knew that a few weeks down the road, once his medication start started working, he would be able to do that. But he wanted to get started like today. So, um, you know, he asked that I help him right. with his applications, that I help him with some of these things that take more mental focus that he wasn't able to do because of these voices. Right, right. And, and the first, and you can only imagine the frustration level. Mm. So that, you know, those are the things I've been able to do to explain these things, exactly what you just spoke of, um, in a way that people can really feel it. And, mm. you know, if, if, your reality, your your name is Whitney. You've been Whitney your whole life. And that's your reality. And all of a sudden, Victoria says, okay, so Karen, um, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Marla. And I'm like, oh, man, Karen, it's really nice to know you. And you're, you're like, okay, guys, but you already know my name is Whitney. Like, oh, yeah, okay. And then somebody else walks in the room and they call you Karen. So the, what, the bottom line is you can only imagine when you want to know why they're agitated. For mm -hmm. what they're going through, their that their reality is something we can't relate to. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We live in consensus norm. So how frustrating is it really mm -hmm. that why can't you see what I'm telling you? I'm I work for the CIA and I'm and in your mind these things are real. You're yeah. living in a reality mm -hmm. that I can't I and so my son said, Mom, you know, he was furious. How do you feel? the fact that you gave birth to Jesus Christ. And so it's a catchy thing because you don't, my first thought is, yeah, feel great, got to go. But in reality, I can't buy into the That's I can't relate to, but I can tell you how much, what I feel, what it feels like to have given birth and to love you. Mm. So I don't yep. dismiss him, but I can't, I can't agree because then you fall into their paranoia, and and you're and you're you're in your mind you're just trying to go along to get along, which is a dismissive approach. In their mind, it's confirmation. Mm -hmm. And then there's even more frustration when you flip the the switch all of a sudden, and Absolutely. now you don't believe them, or you don't know what they're talking about, or you don't agree that they're you know the whoever in the CIA or whatever the case may be. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we are talking to Marla Thomas, who is a mental health advocate and a founder with her husband, Dave, of the organization Love Without Reason. And loving, 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 loving beyond reason. Loving oh, beyond sorry. reason. Loving beyond reason. Oh, okay. I said without. Loving beyond reason. Yeah. And Victoria, who everyone already knows, of course, the, with Contagious Smile podcast, um, mental health and domestic violence advocate. Um, and then myself, Whitney Lee, with Impostrix podcast, attorney and anti-racism um, educator, trainer. And we were just talking about how we can show up for our loved ones in moments of crisis when they're uh, experiencing um, severe mental illness and having episodes. And so Marla had brought up several great points about um, in the moment, if the police, so specifically we were talking about when police need to be called, um, removing the stimuli from the room and meeting the police outside of the home or outside of the place where your loved one is, who's who's going through that crisis so that you can meet and talk with the police for, first and prepare everyone in the situation for what's about to go down for, you know, whatever the interaction is going to be. Um, and then one other thing, you know, Marla, that you talked about was not discounting these you know, our loved ones and the experiences that they're having with their mental illness, with their their brain differences. Um, and that's something that I I think showing that compassion um, is so important. You mentioned the word trust. And beyond doubt, like for me and my loved ones, that's one of the most helpful tools that have helped us kind of transgress some of the the disconnect between maybe what the family thinks needs to happen regarding caring for this person and what this person actually wants to do. So if they trust you um, and if they're able to have moments of lucidity uh, and, you know, seek out your help, like for me, it was shocking when when my family member actually called me for help. Um, I had, you know, I didn't know that all this time while he's medicated and doing well, and I'm working on building that relationship, that that was going to show up later when he was in crisis. And that even through what he was going through and even through the voices that he was hearing, that he would feel safe right. enough to call me. And so that means both during times where they are in crisis and times when they're not, giving them the respect and the dignity to be able to share. Yeah. My, I don't like these medications because they're making me gain weight or because I feel slow and right. sluggish and working through right. those things with them instead of saying, Oh, sorry, that sucks, but you still got to right. take them, you know? Right. Um, and so I really appreciate that, um, you know, laying out those detailed points because I think they are really important for when we're dealing with these situations. For sure. I, for sure. I, I appreciate the question. You know, and it's it, the, the, I would say the club that I'm in, I wish, I wish it only had a membership of one, mm -hmm. um, especially as a parent. I, I, there's the, the, a person that I would despise most on the planet. I wouldn't want to be a parent going through what David and I have um, undoubtedly experienced unexpectedly, you know, it, there's nothing in our lives would have dictated that this is what we would be dealing with. So I can't overlook the fact that I believe 
can't look past it. Um, and so that's kind of kind of where we are. And so you know, that, you know, I'm always grateful for the opportunity to be able to encourage someone because these are this this is the dark forest, mm. the darkest forest. I mean, you know, if if you can imagine that most of the time <clears throat> there's some light. Yes. When you can't even converse, it's the darkest forest. There's there's no there's nothing there that will, will allow me to navigate that I can count on. You know what I mean? Well, for sure, if I do this, this will happen. Well, definitely, if I can do this, this then, then I can get this to happen. And yet your love doesn't wait. You know, and one of the things I try to remind people all the time, you know, we, we know the atrocious story of Jeffrey Dahmer, but very few people focus on the fact that little Jeffrey Dahmer's mother still loved little Jeffrey Dahmer. He just ended up being this particular person. That's right. You know, and, and you and you can't fix it. You, you know what I mean? You can you can do what you can do, do but it is a it is a dark, dark, dark forest. Yes. See, my thing is. And so I just. No, no. By all means, please go ahead. <laughs> no, but when I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, with Marla and Dave before, they are such advocates and they're just amazing people. They love their kids, like unconditionally love their kids, and you can see that. But as an advocate for special needs families, including mentally ill. I hate that terminology mentally ill. And I know in the whole scheme of things, that's like the smallest in the bucket of it, but it's being able to change that term. But it's, it's the fact that like, I'm so adamant as I used, you know, used to have a background in law enforcement and literally it's a different time now than it was five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I completely think that the officers need to come back. They have to do so much training a year. They have to have in-service training every year to maintain what's called, um, they go through mandate training is the police academy. And then they have to go through in-service training every year to uphold their certification, if you will. And in today's time, I hear so many times from the families I advocate for, you hear it on the news, you have these beautiful, and they are the sweetest people. They just have a situation. It's like you having a bad day, but on a different level. It's their bad day. It's their bad moment. But officers are just so quick to jump in. I dealt with a beautiful family whose son was having a moment, as we call them, because he didn't like the turn episode. So we said, okay, we're having a moment. And I just sat there and was quiet. Okay, you let me know when you're ready. I'm just going to sit here with you. I'm not going to contribute. Marla is a million percent right. You know, take everything out of the equation. You would not believe how many people are like, oh, the TV on is fine. The radio is fine. The barking dog, the meowing cat. No, it escalates the situation. It needs to be quiet. It needs to be where they feel they have that control because they don't feel like they do. But when they have, let's say they're at school and something happens at a high school, we, you know, where this teenager that Whitney and I were talking about earlier um, just got killed and eight different boys are in jail for murder because they killed the special needs boy. And it's like the police come on scene and the little, the boy or girl, whoever it is, first of all, they're scared. They don't have their safety, which could be their mom, their dad, their their caregiver, whoever it may be. And the police have no idea. They are not equipped, especially if it's an autistic child, how to handle the child without escalating 
the situation or moment and it ends up getting worse and then the child or the individual ends up getting hurt when they don't need to be there are so many ways that you can de-escalate the situation without bringing in violence and there are some great cops out there don't get me wrong my my husband was one as well but there are so many cops out there that are like, I don't want to deal with this crap. I'm just going to subdue him. I'm going to tase him. I'm going to well, cuff him. And you can't right. do that. You have, you have to realize, though, that here's the thing. That here's the rub. The rub is and I have to get better immediately as mm-hmm. uh, a nation that a police is hired to do police work. Now we've tried to turn our policemen into psychologists into mental health professionals, into it, 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 that's the same problem with taking all your problems and putting them in prison. Right. You know, the, it, it's, it's equivalent to, to jailing somebody. My son went to jail because he was walking around new because you, that you, you have no resource to help treat his episodic behavior, but he's not a criminal. He's not committed a violent crime. He's out of his mind. You know what I'm saying? So so the point that I'm also making is you gotta you gotta remember that the police are gonna do a policeman's job, which is why I made sure that I wanna reiterate that I'm calling the police only when safety right. is an issue. Right. So you so so we do need to teach the police because we have an interface, but the problem is we need to we need to now institute the right type of team to deal with mental health challenges when it's when it's one and two calls. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, so, for example, we need that right now. We don't have it. No, we don't. So it's being so so the so the need is being misdirected, and that's why I say to, to neutralize the environment because if, if you have too many things going on, the police are calling to neutralize what is now being identified as the threat. Right. That's your loved one who's episodic. Yeah, but what about not individuals by themselves? That's what I'm saying. That's why officers need better training. Yeah. Approach on their own. Sure. And they're not. They're just immediately like, oh, he's having whatever. They don't know. And then they all of a sudden just get aggressive. Well, they, he's not trying to be aggressive like your son. He he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He was walking around outside. Does that give the police right. the right to incarcerate him with people? No, are, no. And no, absolutely they're not. Being, and they're, be, they're being trained. But what I'm saying is that all of these things, and that's what's so crazy about where we are with mental health. All of these things need to happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yes, the police need training. Yes, we need um, to institute a different, a different uh, task, a, a different force, a different team that's directly trained for mental health to be dispatched. Like, for example, I'll, I'll tell you this: we were promoting on our show nine one one. I'm uh, not nine one one, nine eight eight, which is a new mental health national number to call in case of a mental health emergency. Well, there was an emergency, a girl standing in the street in Los Angeles. This is not a, a, a hypothetical. This is a factual situation that happened with me. And I saw her standing in the in traffic, and I thought, what is going on? Everybody was honking, and immediately I was going the opposite direction. I said, oh, this is a mental health problem. So I, and, I, and I, to be honest, I, I was like, damn it, because I, I can't not help. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I flipped the U-turn, and... I managed to talk the girl out of the street. Somebody had thrown a bottle of urine at her. It was insane. And I called 988. I can no longer promote 988 as it stands right now. I picked up the phone immediately and called the Department of Mental Health. And what happened? And I said, uh, you, I called 988, and they gave me three prompts. Right. Prompt number one was, 
that if this was an LGBTQ, press three. If I was a vet, press two. And if I was any other person dealing with a, an episode, stay on the line. And then when the first person answered the phone, they said, where are you? Okay, well, then you need to call your local Department of Mental Health. So they redirected me to call the Department of Mental Health in L.A. Instead of sending someone, I said, listen, I'm standing on the corner with this young lady who is, I ended up, she was completely in an episode, but I ended up getting enough information. Another guy showed up and together we agreed to walk her to her house if she could show us where that was, which is dangerous as all get out, but we did it um, and took her home, which she had been thrown out by her mom because she was in an episode. So I'm just saying that it it takes all these things to come together, which is my point. Um, we're not there yet. No. They have to happen simultaneously. That's what I'm saying. It can't just be one thing or another. It's got to be all these things have got to take place. And in I'll order say, for us to make an effective change. Yes, absolutely. I I had a seri- uh, um a similar experience with 988, and I remember being excited when I heard about 988. Um, mm-hmm. But similarly, when I called 988, um, there was also a menu. Uh, and it was in a different, a different city and it was essentially, they could not do anything if certain situations were happening. Um, and in our case, it was that the person was like on the move. They were not going to be staying where they currently were and they can't respond. At least what we were told if that person is like not in a stable location. So what they wanted to happen was get this person home and then keep them there and then call us. And then we'll try and send somebody out within the next 12 hours. And um, so, yeah, Marla, I mean, what you're saying is totally right. But I, I picked up on something that you were saying in your last conversation with Victoria, which was around the conversations that we start having in our families. Um, because you mentioned, and I totally agree with this, is that, um, we all know somebody who I see here. It's okay. We all know somebody who is, um, affected either directly. Well, directly, I'm just going to say directly, whether it's us or whether it's somebody in our immediate family, whether it's a best friend, you know, I grew up with people with mental illness. I, I loved just being out in the community and being one degree of separation uh, at the time right had run away um yeah marla were you gonna say something i know i just said you're right one degree of separation we're one degree of separation right yep and you know everybody has something going on and i shared on my one of my episodes about my recent anxiety crisis um that had me thinking i was hallucinating is how bad that anxiety was Um, which I didn't know could happen. But anyways, talking to each other, talking to our family members, talking to our friends to begin to break down the stigma, I think is the way that we start to make incremental changes because the more that we talk amongst ourselves, the more that we're able to share our experiences with people that have the power to be able to make changes in policy. The more that we're able to inform the people that are coming up with the programming behind 988 or coming up with the the funding for the mental health programs and for, you know, determining 
the the barriers to entry and how high or low those barriers to entry are going to be. Um, and I think for us to continue moving forward with this delusional, you know, understanding that mental health affects those people um, right. or that mental health, you know, isn't going to touch us or that we ourselves aren't experiencing um, brain differences is it's that's that's delusion. Like we are not living in reality when that is our outlook. Um, and so the fact that there are such high barriers to receive mental health treatment, the fact that there are such high barriers for intervention, the fact that there are such high barriers for step down housing, like um, what Marla and her husband are are working to get built. Like this is, it's outrageous to me because it literally affects all of us. And And let me tell you this, Whitney, which is going to blow your mind and Victoria as well. Do you guys know that in the state of California, we talk about step down? I'm gonna let each of you guys guess. The state of California, how many beds do you think are available at on on average to 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 house people who come out of a of so you're hospitalized on a fifty one fifty or fifty one fifty two, you have to transition, you have to come out of that and you know, matriculate back. So that requires inpatient, meaning a, a mm-hmm. live-in situation. How many how many beds do we have? Fifteen. I'm gonna say at least fifty per county is what I would say. In the state of California, we have sixty. So we were close together. I I thought she no, was I wasn't close. I was saying per county. Oh, I was saying uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you said fifteen. Yeah, sixty beds. So you're you're not even. <laughs> You're not even close to trying to solve that. That being able to to solve the immediate problem and and what you just said, Whitney, is dead on. What what you brought up that I brought it up, but you brought it up and and, and exact made it even better and bigger. It's everybody. I say all the time, mental health is not your problem; it's our problem because I'm blindsided to the fact that I. I know how well we raised our children. Mm. I would have lost my life. You could have cut my head off on a guillotine for me to feel like that with with the type of love and affected in this way. So I always mm. say I like to also speak to the outlier parent because you spend your life trying to say, what the hell did I do? But we're mm-hmm. all affected. And this is what's crazy. So we have so many stigmas. That must be erased if we're going to even start to tackle the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, in communities of color where we just don't talk about it or where we say we At bring all. religion into it or say something like, you know, you're being punished uh, for that thing that you did. Mm-hmm. Is this an indictment? Exactly. You feel indicted. And trust me, I, I would probably say publicly when it comes to this thing, I am the most scrutinized public person on in the United States of America when it comes to this. I mean, the amount of hatred that I get is is insane. I mean, crazy stuff. You know, you should have kept your legs. So I have to carry a gun. People, oh my goodness. I got death threats. How about that? Literally threatening to kill me on. Wow. For what, though? For what? Oh, what did you do? But, 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 but my daughter did that. Monique said that. Mm. That's because, yeah, that's because 
when she she's thinking when she was unable to deal with her own issues, you know what she what she has done is present a narrative and a story about mm. who I am as a mother. That's not true. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it. I call it I call it the most severe levels of trauma bonding. Mm. So you realize, so that's what she did. She trauma bond. She, she, you know, I'm gonna be a trauma bonder, and bond with people, you know, over their tragedies that really aren't yours. Right. So you know, but you're the you're the voice of this. So you can speak up, and you know, which is again now I'm to the point where, you know, I know what what they what they what works for them and what doesn't work for them. But I'm to the point now where I can no longer let even her issues silence my mission, which I have done, you know, because I have to speak up. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this is part of the reality of our story. Right. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sharing it, but, but I didn't for, you know, because in other words, she's the main one that doesn't want you to talk about her diagnosis and blah, 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 blah. But in, in the meantime, you know, I can't, you've done your, you've done it. She's done a work, which is part of the mental health thing that I have to expose and literally creating a narrative of something completely different and I can't let that survive. Well, and that's, you know, sometimes part of what, what keeps the stigma is this idea that I have mental health needs because something happened. And yet we have, there's people like we have trauma. Yes. Depression. Yes. Like there are things that are a result of, you know, what we've experienced in our life, um, you know, ancestral trauma, you know, right. however, we also have brain differences, like you yes. say. Right. We All also right. have organic differences, chemical differences um, that result right. in, in some of, you know, what we're experiencing. And and we have responsibilities, those of us who are living with mental illness or whatever we want to call it, with right. a difference. We have a responsibility, I think, to when we have the capacity to do things to better our condition, to help us cope with our condition, to help us cope with our reality. Um, And I think when we don't do that, but instead are, you know, continuing to perpetuate the narratives that ultimately make, you know, increase the stigma or continue the stigma, you know, I think we're doing a disservice. Yeah. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, and you know, and that kind of thing. And that's why I say the whole thing is just really a truck, a tricky. Um, it's a bag of tricks that is so complicated, and it's it's so much involved. Um, but at the end of the day, we still have a responsibility um, to have the honest, transparent conversations, to actually reach out, and you know. Think about the human interest of it all. Like I said the other day, I'm going to make a T-shirt that says, we've got to make it cool to care again. You know, it, it does matter. What happens to you does matter for me. Does. Yeah. You know, and we, and, we, and, we take, and we take it to the simplest, break it down to the simplest scenario. I say all the time, why don't you help me? But why don't you help me help you? So if I'm a parent who's willing to take this responsibility on and do everything that I can do, but you'll keep handicapping me and you keep handcuffing me, but then you're the very person who leaves me no option. My son's outside on the street and then he's sleeping at the end of your driveway and then you're upset about that. And so why don't you help me help you? 
That's what I say all the time. So, so the reality is there are so many things that we can do that we're just not willing to even – we're not even willing to consider the impact. It's like health care. Marla, we we talked last last week, Marla, Whitney and I um, started last week and uh, on doing this, we're going to do this. We're going to do this uh, weekly. And Whitney and I started this last week and we went on a rampage because of there's a uh, organization called Veritas and they, a family that I advocate for has a child that desperately needs their assistance. And it's in a net, it's in a non-medical environment, but it's medical personnel. So the people that are in there need immediate behavioral attention. But then okay. you went through this, I'm advocating for this family where all every day I was on the phone for at least an hour, hour and a half. They, the family went through right off the bat. They said, Here's the insurance I have. That's no problem. We take it. Two weeks, this family went every day calling, talking, going through the admission process, going through the, okay, well, here's how you can come in and visit. Here's how this is done. Here's how this is done. So it won't be a long process once you know we get this finished and we'll be able to start the, the correction and all behavior and yada, yada. Then they come back after the second, right at the two-week mark and say, oh, we don't take that insurance. And their whole disposition changed. And I got in it and was like, oh, I don't think so. Because my 40 million followers are about to learn all about Veritas. Because this is not, not only do I advocate, but we're bringing awareness to those so that things change. And I had people coming out and telling me that they were abused at this facility. That they were not, they've been in treatment for years after getting released because of how they were treated in this facility the bathrooms were locked there was no trash cans and it's like mm-hmm. we have insurance but i told whitney i said the name of what you should say first is what's in your wallet because the very first thing i right. said to them was this is the insurance they have they actually have two forms of insurance nope we're good we cover so it. Do we. and next thing nope. i know two weeks later they're like nope we can't help sorry and what happens to yep. this individual well, that's not our problem because we can't help them. I had my son in the hospital the last the last day that he had in September of last year. And I kept saying if he's ordered on a fifty one fifty two, which would stabilize his 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 condition at this point, get take him out of his episode, but you keep letting him go, it's six days. I said to the attending nurse, I said, Ma'am, I said, What I hear you saying is this is his prescribed treatment. This is what will benefit him medically. But you, can you hear me? But you are putting him out in six days because financially that's what the insurance will cover and it won't meet Thank your bottom you. line. Thank you. And I said, I, said, I, I said, I need to hear you say that out loud. And she did. And I said, thanks. I just wanted to record that. And, and I'm going to record this. I need to hear you say that out loud, that it's about the money and not him getting his treatment. She said, it's about the money. And but it's different if it was her kid. Every time, six days. It, it wouldn't matter. The system is what we got to fix. Right. And it's so it's bizarre because to, to your point earlier and, and what both of you are talking about is just the inner relatedness of what we as individuals experience. 
if I am somebody that is going through a crisis, whether it's a medical or a mental health crisis, and I'm um, behaving in a way that's going to put myself or other people in danger or behaving in a way that's going to cause damage to property or whatever the case may be, then that is going to affect not only me and my family and the people that are supporting me, but the community around me. And so the question is, because this is going to like every action has a trickle, you know, and with mental health, that trickle down is so huge in that it affects our medical system. It affects our insurance. It affects our um, criminal legal system and, you know, jails and prisons and capacity at jails and prisons to have 60 beds in the entire state of California Not is going way. to affect every person in California when there's somebody said they're somewhere else, they're at their house, not safe. They're in the street, little- not safe. Um, and it- oh, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Can you, can you hear me, Victoria? Okay. okay. Um, so it's just, you know, all of this, it matters because it affects everybody all the time. Right. right. And I don't know we lost why that's so difficult. Oh, maybe she'll call back in. I don't know why that's so difficult for as a society for us to accept or acknowledge. Um, and if that means putting money into it, then that's what we need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say that, you know, in the beginning, we were trying to to do an introduction, but we are so honored that Marla Thomas has, has been joining us. And, and now we got her back. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. All right, I'm back. Uh, yes. You're talking. You lo- I left off with you talking about the sixty beds in California and and the system and how ridiculous, ostensibly yeah. and 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 where and what you're saying just to to put a thumb tack in it is the whole the whole society is as we see and will continue to degrade. Here's the best analogy. You can buy the most expensive car in the entire planet. You can lace it out with the most expensive interior rims, solid gold. But if its engine is shitty, you can't drive it anywhere. That's right. Our brains are our control system, and we're ignoring it. We're not going to spend any time trying to find out how we can make that work better. And that, my friends, is going to be the, it's the downfall of everything. And I, and I was screaming out two or three years ago, loudly, publicly. These shootings and the things we're experiencing, you guys, this is going to get worse. Mm-hmm. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. If we haven't seen the beginning, this is only the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg. Because if we don't make a lane to, A, be able to allow these people to be treated, to be able to have the conversation, to be able to accept the difference because I need to hide it, and then we handicap the people who do see the difference. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you see this happening, you get scorned. What kind of mother are you that you're saying, right. my child is a dangerous person right now? I'm telling you, my child, I'm intervening on my adult child saying, this is happening. This is coming. This is a problem. Help. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning. Right. Absolutely. I'm the one that can say it because I know who they are and I can see it happening before it explodes. Absolutely. 
So how do we start making yeah. things better? It's one step at a time. How do we start to make things better? Well, number one, we have to we have to organize locally. Um, I started a petition. I think that we need to begin to, you know, I, I, I believe in the Stacey Abrams method. I think that in, in everything in life, you know, first you educate, then you organize, and then you take an action. Absolutely. And I think that if you if we were to go door to door with just a three point questionnaire, everybody has somebody that's affected, um, and everybody would like to see the same changes happen, especially when it comes to treatment. We can we can do this a lot cheaper. Um, even our fiscal responsibility can be better if we actually just change the system of what is available for us to treat insurance wise. In other words, we need to change our medical insurance number one to include mental health. Can you hear uh, Victoria? Is it just you and I? Is Whitney still here? Oh, Whitney's here. I'm lose? here. Yep. I just put myself on mute. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that that's the, that's number one. Number two, um, you know, we need to, we need to actually begin to humanize the condition of mental health because it's all of us we need to stop we need to stop making it so much of an indictment that we run away from it because we don't want it to be us right and and then we need to basically insist that this is the number one thing on our agenda these were these are the laws that need to be redone we need to make laws about this i agree i and it's not just that it's Whitney and I were talking before because Whitney like I said I don't know if you heard me this is Whitney and I started this section of we're doing a podcast for this mental health every week and it I, I told her I said I have families I had this beautiful girl who was assaulted and she had a moment and she was beautiful but you know and it, it made me so angry because people were saying oh you're not going to bruise because you're african-american i don't care if you, and, and whitney will tell you because she's known me a long time i don't care if you're white purple gray green yeah, oh yeah and and it was i don't care and and whitney will tell you that you know i don't care about the color of your skin when i met this beautiful girl their family had nothing because she didn't have insurance and the family didn't have insurance and she was gang raped and then she ended up pregnant and then they ended up having to do an abortion and then she ended up having to get a hysterectomy because of the damage these assholes wow. excuse my French but you know what I wow. knew she needed a puppy and I was telling Whitney I said they didn't have any money and you know what my husband and I fund this ourselves we don't have sponsors or oh that's right you were telling us that on the show I remember that yeah, yeah. and you know what she's thriving she's gorgeous she is on top of cloud nine she's making honor roll thank god i told her i said you get when you're ready and i will bring you on and you teen talk you host it you host it with my two hosts you know and i said we won't do the video but you have a mic and you have a voice and you need to use it and you can say good, good for you and that's you know what we do and you know some of these people don't have insurance and you know what i'm sorry but there are plenty of people out there with lots of money that can donate if you and you People need to do write-offs on their company every year. If somebody needs help, right. don't turn them away yeah. because you they don't yeah. have a plastic thing in their wallet. That's crap. Yeah. See, now Whitney got me all started up. <laughs> well, Whitney, the, and 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 uh, I'm gonna have to get out of here, but yes, I, thank I you. think that I think that this is a great start, and I think that um, you know, the first thing, like I said, I think that we all everything we've said, we all agree. Number one, we've got to educate. We have to begin to educate ourselves, A, on what steps to take and, and what's possible to be done. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, by facing where we are, 
Like, let's just be real. Like, every time mm-hmm. we have these conversations, you talk to anyone, and I do mean this 100%, and they're directly affected by mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so therefore, it's all of us. And so we need to, we need to, you know, my thing is bringing this to an emotional reality that we can connect to. Because that's what that's what's going to move the measure forward. It's easier to dismiss it when you can make it about everybody else. That's right. When in reality, it's about it's about me. It's about you. It's a, you know it's about our families and the people that we love most. If it's not about us, right. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So that's where we that's where we're going to have to go. Um, and I'm open to all kinds of you know if, if it's if it's I'm bulletproof. Put it to you that way. I'm bulletproof. I I will go anywhere, speak to anyone, move any mountain. It, it, you will. That's just that's the bottom line. I I have no trepidation of fear even today. You know, hopping on and and having a conversation. I don't need a lot of lead up. If it if it's going to be a positive conversation that will bridge the gap of of information, education, and change, I'm in. Yes. We would love to have you back. We'd love to have you on as often as you want to come on. Like I said, this is brand new. We're doing it weekly. Um, you know, last time we had 4 million views in a matter of hours, which was amazing. And I would love to do it. We'd love to take steps to start making change. Please know whenever you want. Next week, we'll take you. I'll have you back in a minute. Whenever you want to come. Hilarious. Well, well we, will, us- we will. We will. We will get definitely. I take that. I take take that. I, I appreciate a you being included. Um, I think your voices are strong voices, and I think that we can really just continue to make this coalition and go forward. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was just going to say, and let us know how we can support um, what you're doing. You all, as you you know, continue this endeavor to um, create more transitional living options for people in, in yeah. California and elsewhere because it's so it's so needed. So yes. I look forward to to working well, and supporting that. I can tell you guys that tonight will be the first video posted for my subscribers on my Instagram and I'm now I I do a series and the series that I'm about to start is literally the hard lessons I've learned parenting mental in you know basically mm-hmm. managing mental health in my family. So it, I'm going to take people all the way back to the first things that, you know, to our first recognition. Every, every epi- it's, an ep- it's an episodic thing, probably eight to ten, but every episode will be specific um, based on the experience, hoping that, you know, I'll be able to free somebody else who wants yes. this information. You know, I just have gotten to the point where I'm just the, the most powerful point in information I've created under a, a really inexpensive subscription only because I just get such waves of insanity. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to pay $4 to hate, then come on, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, come, on. come back anytime. I mean, seriously, come back anytime. I would love for you to talk to the parents. I would love for you to keep giving in, you know, advice and anything. And let's make the change. You know, one step makes us one step closer to changing it. And that's what Whitney and I are trying to do. That's our change goal here is to do that. Well, thanks to thanks to both of you for having me. I'm an open book, and you guys are have an, an open an open invitation to my line anytime. You're the Thank best. You. Please send our best to Dave. Have, tell him to have a good safe flight. Congratulations again, I, on Beauty Pie. I will. I I will. I'll tell my grown man, baby, baby <laughs> man. Yeah, that that we'll see what we can do with. That. I'm I'm just trying to get out of the way of this kid because he's going to be taller than me next week. Mm. <laughs> Well, have, have fun with your day. grandchild. Thank you again for being with us. Send our best to Dave and we'll talk to you soon.
Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye, Marla. Bye. She's a force to be She right. is. Like, seriously. And that's what I was saying before she jumped back on is that uh, we were trying to do an introduction and she just was on point. And that's what she does. She just gets on point and she's so articulate and so elegant with what she's saying. And, you know, with the three of us, like a triangle, it, it literally, there's so much coverage between the three of us of what we do, what we go through. We all have our own experiences in the mental health ward, uh, you know, in the world, sorry. And then as, as well, we're all parents. We all have, you know, that situation. But the fact that, you know, she, I, I talked to her when, well, before, but I also had her and her husband on, they love their child so much. They love all of their kids so unconditionally. And it broke my heart when she started telling, you know, what happened. And I, I totally understood. So I, I left that alone. But that woman is like, she's a kingmaker. And I wanted to tell her that before she jumped off, but um, I will tell her. She's amazing. I'd love to have her back. We would love to have other people come on too uh, to help because it's true. The only way we're going to make a difference is one step at a time. And that's what we need to do. Yeah, that's right. So if you want to join us, if you've got a bone to pick, if you've got a soapbox to jump on around how we can make this world better for us, for each other. Um, because and to like tell we Whitney about- that her you know, Android needs to take a, a swim. Okay. All right. Anyway, hey, you got me back. Cause ignore, I no, ignore it's her. Not an ignore. Ignore her. No. I'm kicking us out. Okay. I no. can I mute you? That, that, <laughs> no, that, that, no, you muted me when you told me I, you know, yeah, you, I couldn't wear a watch anyway. Like that's not right. <laughs> you know, this woman, I've had her in my life since before. Like she was a pre, she was a preemie. And now she is, you know, in the top 10% globally, which I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep pressing on because, mm-hmm. you know, sorry, I'm I'm going to be your cheerleader is, yes. is she's amazing. And then she had the audacity to ask me if I actually loved her. Like she, she's like my, my sister. I wouldn't say from my mom because I wouldn't do that to you, but <laughs> seriously, she's amazing. Her podcasts are amazing. You need to go out and listen to her, even though she does like Android. I mean, everybody has a fault. That's just whatever. So whatever. It's not whatever. It's you like Android. I mean, I'm going to get back. So many of my listeners like Android, too. Where are my stats at? Um, Spotify. 29% of my listeners are on on Spotify. 6% on Google. Apple's only 42%. I would think that it would be much higher. That is huge. I'm just saying. I would think it would be much higher. Jobs is dream. That's all I'm, I'm saying. saying. I'm I'll just... Denzel you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does say 61% Apple iPhone. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> we got to end it with a little bit of a lighter note. So we will be here again next week. Um, amazing. We're working on our title. We're working on our logo. We're doing all that stuff. But when you can get such a huge powerhouse like Marla Thomas, you stop what you're doing. Like you stop and you get on there because she is, she's a force and I am honored to have had her speak with us again. Yeah, me too. That was, um, that was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And I hope folks got a lot from it. I know I did. I love these takeaways. So just one more, I'll say them one more time. Um, some of the the tools that Marla shared with us um, were, and this is to use in times where you are calling the police um, for safety related reasons because yourself or a loved one is going through um, a, a moment, as Victoria says. 
So removing the stimuli and neutralizing the space around you so that the when at the point when the police come in and really before then, the people are not dealing with or you're not dealing with all of this other extra distraction going on that can be really aggravating and can make the situation worse. Yeah. Um, and then meet with the police outside of the space where the police are going to be doing the intervention. Well, um, let me stop the, you and tell contact. you when you're calling 911, another thing you can do is tell your operator that say, I'm going to be the one that comes out and meets the officers. Please advise them that this is who I am. This is my name. This is what I'm wearing. This is what I look like. I do not pose a threat. I am coming out to provide information for officer safety. And mm. that will make a huge difference because those calls are very dangerous to the officers and they want to go home at the end of the night. And if they know that, then they feel like they genuinely have someone on their side, if you will, that is mm -hmm. going to provide them with factual information to help them in the situation. So that's really important too, is to, is to let the operator know. So when they get there, they'll be like, oh, are you Whitney? Okay, go ahead. Tell me, you know, thanks for, for letting us know. How can we help? What can we do? And it actually also calms the officer down. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. So thanks. Thanks for adding that bit. Um, and then don't discount like as we're, we're living and working and communicating and loving people with all sorts of differences. Um, don't discount what other people are going through, period, 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 across gender, across race, across ability, across all the things. Sexual orientation. Don't discount yeah. what we're experiencing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, all thank right. you, thank Whitney. Thank you, Victoria. Of course. We will talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.